a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode I am watching and talking about today is season two, episode two, Superhero. Who is the drizzle? Yeah, who is he? Superhero airing June 1st, 2003. Everybody finally figuring out who the drizzle is on this date in history. And I'm excited to dive into this one. It's a really great shake-led episode. And the way that they do this episode is unlike anything that they've done yet. But I'll get into that when we get into it. Of course, as always, we've got some other stuff to talk about here. So Aqua Teen News this week, nothing going on. But I do have a little story with you of uh, perhaps missed Aqua Teen News. And that is... My fiance left the other day to go to Walgreens to get her passport photo taken. And right after she leaves, she calls me and I'm like, "Uh oh, that can't be good. Right. Did she forget something? And then I answer and she says, hey, I'm listening to the radio. And they just said that after the next song that the DJ would be on the air with the star of the upcoming film with talking food products. That's how they kind of staged it on the radio. Obviously, my fiance knows what Aqua Teen is, but she said they were talking about how they're is an upcoming movie for uh, a show with talking food products that the DJ grew up watching and that he would be talking with the star of the movie. So I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like they didn't say Aqua Teen. What, what else could it be, right? Like I know Bob's Burgers is coming out with a movie, but that there's no talking food products in that as far as I know. So it has to be Aqua Teen. But like, who is the star of that movie? You know, because it's, it's kind of a cast. It's not, there's not just one star. So it was really odd, but she told me the radio station And I try and tune in on my computer and I'm like, this doesn't sound right because when I tune in, it's just some sort of basketball game is on and my fiance was listening to music. So I'm trying to figure out how to listen to it and I couldn't figure it out. So I just go sit in my car and I'm listening and it's just music, music, music. Nothing happens. And, you know, this is over the span of maybe half an hour or so because I really I was I had my phone in hand. I was ready to record up to my speaker in the car to see, like, is there actually an interview going on here or something? And I I look at Dana Snyder's Twitter and his Instagram. I look at Carrie Means stuff and I look at Dave Willis's stuff and there's no mention at all of them being on my local radio station. So it was really quite strange. And, and I'm going back and forth with my fiance. I'm like, are you sure that's what you heard? And she's like, yeah, I'm positive. And so long story short, uh, I kind of gave up because this went on forever and I never heard anything. And so she messaged the Facebook page and they're like, oh, sorry, we'll look into it. Yeah. And then they never got back to her. So, uh, yeah, I don't if, if I hear anything else, I'll let you guys know. My assumption was like it was a pre-recorded interview or something, but they haven't even announced the name of the movie yet. So I don't know. It seems pretty early for them to be doing press stuff for it. It's really strange. And, and my city is only like you know, a hundred ten thousand people or something. So I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it just weird. It seemed plausible that that the DJ on the radio station could have been talking to someone on the film, but it just seems so bizarre. So yeah, that happened a couple of days ago. A really strange moment. If, like I said, if if I figure anything else out, I'll let you guys know. And if my fiance hears back from the radio station, because I go to the radio station's website too, and there's no mention of this at all. So just really weird. But yeah, she was really upset that we couldn't get to the bottom of it because she was really excited to contribute. But uh, for now, it's still a mystery. 
So that's our news or lack thereof this week. In terms of community stuff, of course, as always, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me whenever a new episode goes up. For example, I appreciate Zeus over on the Dancing is Forbidden Discord. You can join that via the link in the show notes. She just kind of hit me up on there and was like, oh, I appreciate that you played the full Yes, You Did clip from Super Birthday Snake, which was nice because you heard me kind of think through it in real time in that episode if I wanted to play it or not. So it's nice to get some feedback and know what you are responding to and not. But yeah, I said on the Discord there, I'm like, Well, sometimes I just have to remember that the people listening to this podcast are Aqua Teen fans, so it's probably fine if I lean towards playing stuff more liberally than conservatively. Another thing I wanted to mention about Super Birthday Snake is on YouTube, OJ Diesel left this comment. Something about Frylock's new look feels painful. Seeing how his fries are his hands, he pretty much braided his hands, which yikes. (laughs) I mean, I didn't think of this at all, and that is a great observation that. Frylock's fries are his hands. He uses them as hands all the time. He uses them as a frydar. So braiding them is like, you know, yeah, braiding his arms together and stuff. So very, very interesting observation here that it's both his hair and his arms. So very fun from OJ Diesel over on YouTube. But all right, there are some other things I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to save that stuff for the end of the month when we do our community jiggle episode. I'll kind of address more of that stuff over there, as well as some other Aqua Teen adjacent things that I have been looking up lately. So yeah, just uh, keep your eyes and ears out for the end of the month where I will upload one of those to this feed. So okay, that's our housekeeping stuff for the moment. Let's see what was going on this week that Superhero came out June 1st, 2003, What was all the hot stuff? What were the cool kids doing at the time? Let's find out. Swimming its way to the top of the box office this week, we have Finding Nemo bringing in over $70 million in its opening week, setting a bunch of records that I'm not going to read to you because we'd be here all day. But this film did very well, as I'm sure you can imagine. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. And this movie kind of came out and broke at the perfect time in my life because I would have been about nine when it came out. So I saw it a lot then. I saw it a lot in school. It was a popular movie for teachers to show when they didn't feel like teaching, you know, end of the year or whatever. So seen this movie a lot. Haven't seen it in over 10 years at this point, probably closer to 15, but I'm sure it, it would still hold up if I watched it now. Lots of fun underwater adventures in that one. And a, a good little trivia factoid for you here is Pixar developed a very realistic look of the surface water, but had to make it look more fake so people wouldn't think it was real footage of the ocean surface, which I'm sure there's some sort of life lesson locked in there of of they made it perfect, but that wasn't really the right thing for what they needed. So they had to go back and make it look less good. Another factoid here that I'm seeing is that after the film came out, demand for tropical fish exploded, especially the fish that were prominent in the movie, like clownfish and blue tangs. And unsurprisingly, a lot of fish died as a result because most people don't know how difficult it is, especially to care for these tropical fish that really require a lot of maintenance in a lot of cases. But just fish in general, you know, you're used to seeing betta fish in these tiny little glasses and whatnot. And that's far and away from what they need. I, I've come to find, you know, as a, a young adult, I think I was 19, I had a little betta fish in a little bowl. And I just, I still feel bad about it to this day because at the time I'm like, yeah, that's all they need. It's fine. But that's that's totally not true. Fish need large tanks. They need a lot of maintenance. You can't just keep them in a little bowl. So I still feel horrible. 
And yeah, lots of fish died as a result of this film. But in general, I think I think the fish industry is just not so great. The pet fish industry, because these creatures need a lot of stimulation. They need you know stuff swapped out in their tank to keep them not super bored, and they need you know a, a large space to swim. I mean, yeah, these things are used to living in in giant bodies of water. You can't just put them in a uh, a, a tiny little tank and expect everything to be fine. But but yeah, uh, pretty sad to see. But I'm sure that there have been some good things as a result of the film as well. Maybe some people got into marine biology because they liked it so much. I don't know. And of course, I have to mention there is no shared cast or crew between Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Finding Nemo, but there are some sound department people who worked on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters, as well as Finding Nemo, which I'm finding, you know, a lot when I compare to the Aqua Teen movie from 2007 and then other big films, but that's because that was a film and, you know, they kind of brought in some, some more established people in the film world to work on those things, you know, probably just sending it out to another company or something like that. So not as interesting. It's not people who worked hands-on with Aqua Teen or anything like that. So I'll leave that there. Moving on to music music this week. I'm just dying to know what our Billboard Hot 100 single is. So let's take a listen. New York City. New York City. You are now rapping. You are now rapping. With 50 Cent. With 50 Cent. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. I just wanna chill and twist a lot. Catch stunts in my 745. You drive me crazy, shorty. I need to see you and feel you next to me. Our number one song this week is 21 Questions by 50 Cent featuring Nate Dogg. I am not familiar with this song, but I really enjoyed listening to it. I'm a sucker for any cut-up guitar in any capacity over a hip-hop beat. Just love it. Really clean beat on this one. Really good use of empty space in it. And you get 50 Cent and or Nate Dogg on a track and you know you know that they're going to do their job. So I enjoyed this one. Again, I I. I I'm not familiar with it, but I enjoyed it. And I do need to check out this 50 Cent album. It's off his most famous album, Get Rich or Die Trying, which actually was the best-selling album multiple times earlier in the year. We just kind of missed it with Aqua Teen starting up, but it, it was a huge album in 2003. 50 Cent kind of picking up after Eminem finishes his huge run. Now 50 Cent's in the races, and like I said, he just kind of finished right before we jumped in, which is good. That way we're not talking about his album a thousand times, but we get to talk about this little track. And if you were kicking around in 2003, you're probably familiar with it. So since 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Tryin' isn't the most popular album this week, what is? Let's take a listen. Coming in at the top of the charts this week, we have Marilyn Manson's Golden Age of Grotesque bringing in 118,000 units, which is actually one of the lowest selling Billboard Top 200 albums. Um, yeah, most albums bring in a lot more than this, so either it was a slow week this week or I don't know what was going on. But um, yeah, Marilyn Manson, somebody I grew up listening to, real soft spot for Marilyn Manson, or, or, or rather his, his music, not, not him as a person. But uh, yeah, my mom is a huge Marilyn Manson fan, uh, borderline obsessed, and obviously, you know, he's been caught up in, in some scandals lately, or, or I guess that's probably a, a light way to put it. Uh, and my response to that is, yeah, are you surprised? I mean, in eighth grade, I read his autobiography, and you could tell from that that he is a pretty shitty person. I mean, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a surprise here, but 
you know, I can't deny the fact that his music had a lot of impact on me growing up. And Golden Age of Grotesque, not one of his most popular albums. I think this one may be a little bit of a response to new metal music in a way, because there's a lot more electronics here than his previous albums. But this album is influenced with a lot of like vaudevillian sounds from that era of the 20s and 30s. And it's an interesting album in his discography. The first half is pretty solid. The second half, uh, I couldn't tell you how any of the songs went off the top of my head. This was never one of my favorites from him, but there are some great moments on it. And this being the last album really of Marilyn Manson's that has any note, I think. Uh, everything he's done after this hasn't been that popular. Not to say I haven't liked stuff he's done after this. I really like his album after this one that came out in 2007 called Eat Me, Drink Me. But this album, Golden Age Grotesque, really having the last remnants of the original Marilyn Manson band. Twiggy Ramirez, the bass player, had left at this point, so they had Tim Scold filling in, who went on to solely record the next Marilyn Manson album, Eat Me, Drink Me. He did all the instruments himself, which I think is pretty cool, and it, it makes for an interesting record there. But, but here on Golden Age of Grotesque, yeah, we have Tim Scold filling in for Twiggy Ramirez, who was the bass player on all of Marilyn Manson's big albums, as well as a composer uh, for the band. And then we have the last album with their keyboard player, Madonna Wayne Gacy. And I think this is John Five's last album, too. So, so a lot of uh, pivotal people in the band left after this one because Marilyn Manson went on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, he put out a greatest hits in 2004 after this. And then in 2007, like I said, came back with this next album that wasn't as well received. I think it's a good album. But yeah, from there, it was just all kind of downhill until I think it was like 2014. He came out with The Pale Emperor which was decent, but at this point, Marilyn Manson kind of just works with individual artists who will kind of make an album for him that he sings over or whatever. I mean, I'm sure he's involved with the music aspect, but it's not really a band anymore in the way that it was on this album, and this kind of being the last album where that was a thing. Twiggy Ramirez would come back, and they kind of tried to be a band again, but those albums weren't that great. But yeah, Golden Age of Grotesque here, our number one album, and Marilyn Manson as always, a shitty person. I mean, the fact that he doesn't really have any longtime contributors anymore speaks to that on top of the fact that he's got 10,000 sexual abuse allegations against him. Not the kind of guy I'd want to hang out with. So moving on, what is our alternative song of the week? Kind of cool here that we got an alternative album. Usually it's a pop album or something, but let's see what our alternative track of the week is. Our alternative Billboard number one single this week is Headstrong by Trapped. And I'm just going to say it here. This was my favorite fucking song at the time. And by God, when I hear it again, it takes me back. This being Billboard's not only their year-end number one song, but their decade-end number one song. Spoiler alert. Billboard says this is the best song of the entire decade and I don't know if I'm going to disagree with them here. I mean, there's songs I like more on this list, but but Headstrong was universal. Uh, Trapped kind of a, I don't want to say a one-hit wonder. I'm sure they had some more hits, but this is easily their only song that I know. And I was a huge Trap fan back in the day. I'm sure I listened to other songs, but I cannot recall a single one at this point. But yeah, we have Headstrong here, and this one will be hanging out in our list for a little while, but not as as long as you would expect it to. 
Uh, there are definitely more songs on this Billboard list that hang around for many more weeks than this song does. But yeah, Trapped's Headstrong. I mean, if you were a little boy my age at the time, this was your favorite song too. So, so don't go and try and tell me that you don't like it. And if my memory is correct, Trapped having their own problems as of recently, or I suppose just the singer, him and the bass player are the only remaining members after all these years. But I don't really know what happened. Uh, I'm not particularly interested in social media outrage things. Not not from the side of the people who are bad at them, but like whenever I hear, oh, some dude said something controversial, I just tune out. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what he said. Who cares? It's fucking trapped. Who cares? But you know what I do care about? I care about what video games are coming out this week. What are people playing this week? I feel like none of the games this week are particularly worth talking about, so I'll just name off all five that I'm seeing for this week. So on the 21st of May, we got WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games on the Game Boy Advance, which to me sounds like some sort of a pack of party games or just just uh, mini games that you can play, which I know that uh, the WarioWare games typically are, or they are in every case. After that, on the 27th, we get Brute Force coming to the Xbox. Brute Force being some sort of third-person shooter. I'm seeing someone run around shooting people up. Looks like a fun time. After that, on the 28th, we get Hulk coming to Windows, PS2, GameCube, and Xbox. And Hulk being a game where, hey, you guessed it, you're the Hulk. You're smashing stuff, fighting people. But that same day, we also get a game called The Incredible Hulk coming to the Game Boy Advance. Now, those who aren't particularly early 2000s game system literate, the Game Boy Advance is, you guessed it, a Game Boy. It is a portable system which had the power, basically, of a Super Nintendo from the 80s or 90s. So not the most powerful system. So this game, a lot more simplistic than the Hulk game that came to the bigger systems at the time. But they both look pretty similar. In the Incredible Hulk game on Game Boy Advance, it looks like you're basically doing the same thing. When I scrub through the videos of both, I'm seeing similar plot points and such. So they tried to port it as much as they could over to the Game Boy Advance, but of course it had to be different because of technological differences between the two systems. Finally, on June 1st, this very day that Superhero comes out, we get Sonic Pinball Party coming to the Game Boy Advance. So that's three Game Boy Advance games coming out. Game Boy Advance, a great system. I had uh, one, I actually had two. I had the Game Boy Advance and then I got the Game Boy Advance SP when that came out, which looks like that was early 2003 and I would have gotten that probably Christmas of 03. So about six months after this episode of Aqua Teen comes out. So the Game Boy Advance SP had uh, a smaller design, it had a, a light-up screen, all this crazy fancy shit. Also, uh, you charged it. That was a big deal that you could charge the Game Boy Advance SP because the Game Boy Advance, if your batteries died and your parents didn't have any, well, tough luck, no video games. So that, that's it for video games this week. Nothing really critically acclaimed, I don't think. But, you know, whenever I check out these long play videos on YouTube, and of course, God bless anybody who's uploading those for these old games, I'm seeing all sorts of comments saying, wow, so much nostalgia. Thank you for uploading this. So I'm sure you might have played at least one of these games back in the day. That's it for video games. So, so with all this going on, you just saw Finding Nemo and you're listening to Traps Headstrong on repeat over and over and over again while playing some of uh, Wario's micro games with a dollar sign at the end. What is coming on Adult Swim this week when you sit down to watch it after your parents told you to go to bed? Well. I'm here to tell you, as always, at 11 p.m. we have home movies with the episode Politics, an older episode, not a new episode. 
At 11.30 p.m., we get Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, with Dead o Mutt Part 2. This being a new episode last week, of course, we had Part 1 of Dead o Mutt. And then 11.45, after Harvey Birdman, we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force. This new episode, of course, as always, Superhero. And then at midnight, we get Sea Lab 2021 with a new episode called Vacation. And that ends our new episodes this week. After that, 12.15, Space Goes Coast to Coast with Terminal. 12.30, we get The Oblongs with Disfigured Debbie. 1 a.m., we get Trigun with Diablo. And then 1.30 a.m., we get Cowboy Bebop with Gateway Shuffle. So, pretty solid lineup and really similar. Uh, I think it's all the same shows that we had last week. So, that's it for our pop culture business. Let's jump in to Superhero. You know, watch out Marvel. Watch out DC. There's a new superhero in town. The Drizzle. Check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check it out. Check it out. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Mr. Mister. Watch out, crime. When he gets pissed, you get missed. Coming to a theater near you. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, where they are spending some money to support the show and allow me to continue to improve the show and to motivate me to make the show. And this week we have Hannah coming on at the $5 duffel bag of cash level. Thank you, Hannah, for signing up. So my fiance's name is Hannah. And when I saw that, I was standing next to her and I'm like, wait, what the heck? Did you sign up? She's like, no, there's a lot of confusion in the household. So uh, thank you, Hannah, for signing up. Uh, not my fiance, Hannah, but an Aqua Teen Hunger Force loving Hannah. And uh, thank you for the confusion. It got the blood flowing. It uh, made me feel alive for once. So what is Hannah and all the other patrons over at patreon.com getting? For their money well at the five dollar and up tier you get access to a monthly show that i do where i will be diving into the aqua teen hunger force colon movie film for theaters the same way i dive into the episodes i'm cutting up the movie obviously because a single podcast would be 10 billion hours long but i'm gonna be diving into that at the end of this month the first monday of the month so be there or be square there's also five episodes in there right now of me diving into other adult swim shows which i would like to continue doing time permitting so thank you guys for supporting the show uh, i i still am beside myself that people like it enough to do so so thank you very much let's jump in to this superhero episode now i'm seeing lots of superheroes in 2022 that think they are hot shit but these fuckers have not seen the drizzle okay because they wouldn't think they're so tough if they did let's see the greatest superhero story of all time and let that be a note to you marvel you want me to go see one of your fucking avengers things that you put out every year get some drizzle in there then i'll be buying tickets coming up next aqua teen hunger force superhero airing june 1st 2003 and this is actually the fourth episode produced for this season so this is production code 204 but it's being aired second just like super birthday snake was produced second but then aired first. So things a little switched around. This episode airing with a PGL for language, but then rebranding now as a PGDL for suggestive dialogue and language. But again, a PG rating, unlike the previous episode, Super Birthday Snake, which was much more mature and adult in theme. This episode just on a sillier note of the show. And I actually found a thread dedicated to this episode the night it aired. So I will come back to it later, but for now I want to read you the description supplied by Adult Swim for the episode ahead of time. Master Shake becomes obsessed with a new superhero. Who is the Drizzle? We'll find out soon enough. So that's it. That's the uh, 
description that was given. And I'll go into what people were saying about it that a very night it aired and a, a couple of nights after the episode or, or while we're diving into it even. I don't want to front load all of that now because obviously we haven't talked about it yet. And personally, I think it's funny that the show is supposed to be about superheroes in a way. They kind of subvert the superhero trope with the Aqua Teens. You know, they were supposed to have superpowers. This was all shown in Rabot. And... In this episode, we have Shake wanting to be a superhero when he is already supposed to be a superhero in a sense. You know what I mean? So it's just a very, very silly idea here of Master Shake becoming a superhero. So let's jump into the episode. We open to Dr. Weird's lab as usual, and we see Dr. Weird is standing there with a snake on his head. So let's just listen and we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. Steve. Yeah? Pick up that stick and slowly... And carefully now, agitate the hell out of this snake! Oh, <laughs> hell no! <laughs> so, yeah, it, that, that's it. Uh, very, very silly to the point. I love how aggressive Dr. Weird is about this. He, he's screaming at Steve to agitate the hell out of the rattlesnake in his helmet, which is just funny. I love that he is wearing the, this glass helmet on his head. And Steve is somehow supposed to get the stick in there. And, you know, how did Dr. Weird get the snake in there? Why is Dr. Weird even wearing the helmet? I mean, it's just, it's just perfect because it's so short. It makes no sense. And it's hilarious. Oh, also, I love Steve is kind of sassy. He's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> it's just, you know, th they're exploring these characters a little bit more, making them act uh, even sillier than they did. Originally, uh, we didn't really see a whole lot of that from Steve. He was always so meek and reserved and, and now he has kind of spoken up for himself a little bit in this small way so after that of course we get the credits and then we get into the episode proper we open to the aqua teens living room and we see there's a bunch of posters plastered on the wall that say who is the drizzle in orange font big block letters and in the background we see what we find out is master shake but it's like a really dramatic dark shake with a with a mask on his face with green eyes lighting up and it's it's raining in the background and we see the three aqua teens standing there and there's a pile of shirts with this logo on it there's a bunch of buttons in a box meatwad is covered in buttons we see there are some posters and then there's something next to meatwad i can't tell what those are supposed to be if they are trading cards maybe or air fresheners regardless all this stuff is out and shake is pretending like he doesn't really know who the drizzle is or anything like that. Obviously, it's him. Meatwad points that out right away. That's the whole running gag of the episode is he is trying to act to Frylock and Meatwad like it's not him, but clearly it is. Obviously, it is. There's, he, he's deluding himself entirely by saying that it isn't him, and it really just goes to show really his character in a, in a really fun way. But in this scene, Master Shake hands Frylock and Meatwad a drizzle phone, and it is... Basically, an old brick cell phone from 2003, exactly what you'd expect. It looks like a Nikea or something along those lines. One of those very sturdy, unaesthetically pleasing phones. And instead of a keypad on it, there's just a D on it for Drizzle. So that's enough setting up this scene, enough explaining. Let's jump into it and see it all come together. Who is the Drizzle? Yeah, who is he? Where the button? Who's he? Little Drizzle. Oh, I wish. But I am very good friends with the Drizzle. He wanted you to have these special Drizzle phones. They connect directly to the man himself when you need his super help. He's giving us a cell phone? There's no text message. <laughs> There's a sock phone. Yeah, but it's free. For the first month, and then after that, the Drizzle expects you to walk on your own, you know. <laughs> You're the ones in trouble, not him. Uh-huh. 
All right, so in that short clip, we basically get the gist of what this entire episode is going to be. It's a shake-driven episode about how he is not the drizzle, but how awesome the drizzle is and how everyone should respect the drizzle. My favorite part from that little clip is the fact that the phone is only free for the first month. And after that, the drizzle expects you to walk on your own. So it's just so dumb. Who would want this thing? Who would pay for this? Who would pay for an extra cell phone that only brings you to the drizzle? Just just total nonsense. So we're still in the same scene. We're going to jump back into it. Basically, Shake is about to ask if Frylock knows of anybody who needs help because the drizzle is looking for work. He's looking to prove his superhero dumb. So uh, anyone in distress? Anything, you know, shaking, you know? Trouble? Yes, how do I call Japan? No, I no, just gotta be on my no phone. international calls. The drizzle's local. I'm going back to my room, okay? Yes, to the room. Scan the internet and see <laughs> if anyone's screaming for help. I'm going to Japan. Who the hell do you know in Japan? Nobody. Hello, Japan. No. Yes, cannot meet you, Godzilla, please. You don't get a phone. You know, I told the drizzle you'd mess this up. It hasn't been five minutes, and you did. Again, this phone just has a D on it, but somehow Meatwad is able to figure out how to call Japan. He asks for Godzilla. But before that, Frylock gets fed up and he leaves to go to his room. And Shake capitalizes on this, asking Frylock to look online to see if anybody needs help. So Shake is about to get a call now on his drizzle phone. And it's Frylock calling from the room to clarify this. Trouble! Hello? Yeah, it's me. What did you want me to do a search for? Do, uh, yeah, do, okay. Give me search for super crime, girls in trouble, and press release. How to. <laughs> As Meatwad is rolling away during that phone call, the buttons start falling off of him, and he picks up his drizzle phone again, I, I assume, to go play with it. I don't think we see anything else from Meatwad with the drizzle phone immediately, anyways. So, yeah, we uh, we hear what Shake wants Frylock to look up, which is super crime, girls in trouble, and press release how to, which I love I love the wording on that. But, but again, kind of calling back to interfection, Shake, he doesn't really understand how search engines work. He, he puts in too much for it to really give any good result. Just like an interfection, how he puts like teeth, plaque conspiracy, and Metallica. Here, he's looking for crime, but then he also wants to know how to do a press release. So moving on to the next clip, Shake is now in Frylock's room, and they're kind of talking about this search. And really quickly after that, they jump right into the Drizzle's origin story. So it's, it's a lot of back and forth between Shake and Frylock. So... So enjoy this long clip. Here's what your search turned up. Sex with animals. There's no time, man. <laughs> you know, you're right. I don't have time for this. Uh, but, you know, the drizzle, when he was, uh, long, when he, as a kid, he was bitten by a thirsty worm in a science lab accident. Uh, radioactive stuff. I don't know how it happened, but I swear to God, from the day on, he was able to manipulate the rain. And that is fresh. Rain? Yeah, for justice. You know, when the villains try to do stuff, he's like, you know, like a rain out. Rain it out. Uh -huh. Justice reigns. Supreme. Yeah. That's deep, Shake. Yeah. See, then they gotta pick another day to do the crime, and he'd rain it out again. He's always a step ahead. Uh -huh. Finally, the kids schedule their uh, deeds of, uh, you know, misdoing. They just <laughs> get tired. Wow. You know, that's really amazingly lame. Yeah. That sounded cooler last week. Whoa. I heard he has laser feet. That's cool, right? <laughs> laser feet on the drizzle. First of all, the sex with animals line is probably my favorite from this episode. It's just so quick and to the point and hilarious. But yeah, we get this whole backstory. And when Shake jumps into it, he he's kind of looking around at first as he recites it. Like he's trying to remember what he wrote down earlier. 
because clearly he's thought this out. It's just, you know, he probably didn't think it out for that long. As you would expect from Shake, he's all big ideas, but when it comes to the execution, that's kind of where he starts to make mistakes. I really like the line here that the drizzle was bitten by a thirsty worm. Like, what does that mean? Maybe it has to do with the fact that the drizzle is Master Shake and, you know, you drink a shake. So maybe that's why, you know, the worm was thirsty and, and wanted to take a drink of shake. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that line is just supposed to be nonsense or if it's uh, if it's actually supposed to mean that. But regardless, we learned the drizzle's power besides his laser feet, which they don't really go into any detail in in the episode, is that. He can control the rain and he can rain out crime. So I appreciate that, you know, Shake doesn't have a power out of any of the Aqua Teens. He can spit up that that green stuff, but that's it. But even his alter ego superhero is still lame. He makes it rain like out of all the powers he could have come up with that. That's what he thought was the coolest. Anyways, back to this scene. We're still in the middle of it. Frylock starts to push back against Shake's ideas for the origin story for this character. Frylock knows, obviously, that Shake is the drizzle. And so Frolic is kind of trying to help him out with a better story. So let's check that out. Well, you know, you would you. think that if he got bit by a radioactive worm, he'd have some sort of burrowing powers or something like that, right? <laughs> well, he, he could do that too. I mean, you know, not <laughs> threatening stone. I mean, he's, you know, he's bad to the bone. Yeah. His laser well, bones. thanks for the drizzle phone. I'll be sure to contact him if we ever need to dig a hole in the yard or anything like that. Okay, I'll be in a crawl space if you need him. So just more wishy-washiness from Shake here because Frylock comes up with a better ability, a cooler ability, and Shake's like, oh, well, nothing's written in stone, even though at this point, maybe a little bit because he's ordered all of this memorabilia and merchandise for the drizzle that doesn't mention anything about burrowing. But but yeah, uh, Frylock trying to help out and then he just kind of dismisses Shake and Shake says he'll be in the crawl space, but before he gets there, there's a notification on Frylock's computer, so Shake comes back and they discuss what the notification is before Shake finally heads to the crawl space. Ooh, look at this. What? Hey, maybe we should call the what? drizzle. What is it? Is it easy? Well, apparently three <laughs> drums of highly toxic chemical waste have been stolen from their storage facility in the river. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, that is so beneath the drizzle. I mean, he doesn't solve unscheduled robberies. What kind of a... <laughs> This stuff needs to be known in advance. Oh, I know. So you can get the clouds going and stuff. There's a lot of prep work involved. Oh, sure. Plus, he had nothing to do with that. And I will <laughs> deny it up and down if you say I did. He did. <laughs> All right, so Shake is walking away from Frylock, and, and we see Shake walking through Frylock's room. And just if you watch the staging on this shot, it's very interesting. And by interesting, I mean it doesn't really make sense because so we assume... Frylock's door is looking onto the foot of Frylock's bed. Like when you walk in, you would, if you walk straight, you'd basically walk into the foot of Frylock's bed, if not his bed itself. But Shake is walking past the bed. He goes towards the very left side of the wall, which doesn't make any sense because that's not really where you expect the door to be. Like they just needed him walking away from Frylock. And because there isn't much room to really show that, they had him walking really far away to the point where he walked, I assume, past the door. But all right, regardless, Frylock gets the notification in his web browser that toxic waste stolen from aquatic reserve. Then it says local authorities baffled, but it's revealed that the toxic waste was, yeah, it was stored in the river. It, it's just we see it all sitting around. So pretty easy to steal that, you know, but it's revealed through this dialogue that, you know, we, we assume that Shake did it, right? Or, or rather the Drizzle did it. But I mean, okay, I'll, I'll stop referencing this gag of Shake saying he's on the Drizzle because it's throughout the entire episode and it's just going to get old. Me saying that over and over again. 
Last but not least, I want to mention Frylock's web browser. It is not the same web browser that we saw all throughout season one. It's a little bit more updated looking. And on the top right, there is an A with a circle kind of around it. This spoofing the Internet Explorer logo, although the A, I don't know what that would stand for. There's no easy Internet reference to that. So maybe it's just A for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I'm not really sure. But but yeah, th this new updated web browser, it's a, a bit more simplistic than the one we saw in season one. And the buttons on the top are all blue. There is back, forward, refresh, and home. So all right, the scene in Frylock's room is over. And we cut right to the crawl space that we first saw in the Love Mummy episode. And there are some barrels in the crawl space. And Shake has some worms. I mean, you heard the origin story of the drizzle earlier. Now he's trying to make it come to fruition. He's trying to get these worms jacked up on nuclear waste so that they can bite him because they are thirsty. And then he will turn into the drizzle. So let's listen to that quick clip. Come on, worries. Let's go. Soup's on. Eat it up. <laughs> Save some room for dessert, which is going to be me. What do you got, a broken arm? Here, lap it up. <laughs> Ow. Damn it. So that's that real quick. Basically, he puts the worms on top of the barrel and on the other side of the worms, there is some green nuclear waste or, or whatever it's supposed to be. And he's like, all right, there you go. And he expects them to just crawl over to it, but they don't understandably. They're just crawling around aimlessly. So Shake just tips the barrel so that the worms fall into the waste and then nothing happens. So Shake takes matters into his own hands and he, uh, quote, accidentally spills some nuclear waste on himself. So let's listen to that real quick. Well, I guess there's nothing to do but just... Oh, no! An accident! <laughs> How did this happen? Oh, I'm getting stronger. I'm, I'm getting hotter, too. Oh. Wow! I mean really hot! Wow! Wow! Hot, 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 <laughs> hot, 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 There's just a giant ladle in the second barrel propped up against the wall that is completely open that Shake just pulls out and just dumps it all over himself. Because somehow, you know, things happening accidentally are, are cooler. That, that's what a lot of superheroes have. It's always an accidental thing. It's always like the villains purposely give themselves powers while the good guys accidentally get the powers. So, so Shake wants to be a good guy here. He wants to be a hero. But Shake dumps the waste on himself, that, that classic green cartoon toxic waste, and then runs over to Carl's pool because he starts fuming basically some some green smoke starts coming off of his head and he says he's getting hotter so he runs and jumps into the pool after that he gets a phone call on the drizzle phone and i'd like to point out going into this clip this is the first time we see the aqua teens green chair this season so it wasn't present in episode one super birthday snake it's finally showing up a little ways through episode two drizzle here yes drizzle violent criminals have purpose what did you Fat Albert. Prince Albert. <laughs> uh, I put Fat no, Albert no, no, in the no, no. It's Prince. Prince Albert. Oh, okay. Oh. I put Fat Albert in the car. <laughs> I'll need precise coordinates, ma'am. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, it's in your butt, boy. It's in your butt. It's in your butt. We see that the call is from Meatwad. And he's trying to play a prank on Shake. He's trying to crank call him. And we hear that Frylock is helping Meatwad, which I love. I love that they're working together to try and play a, a harmless joke on Shake. But Meatwad messes it up. The, the joke is Prince Albert in a can. And I didn't know what that meant until this very moment. I had to look it up. I'm like, all right, I'm 28 years old. It's about time I understand 
this Prince Albert in a can joke. So I looked it up and Prince Albert either is or used to be a, a kind of tobacco. So somebody would call a general store or whatever and be like, hey, do you have Prince Albert in a can? And they would say yes. And then you'd say, oh, well, you should let him out because talking about real Prince Albert. So just a really dumb joke in itself. But Meatwad fucks it up by, by saying Fat Albert, the uh, Bill Cosby cartoon. And I love that Meatwad messes it up twice because, because Frylock corrects him and then Meatwad's like, oh, shoot, okay. And then he says it again. <laughs> he fucks it up again. Uh, and the whole time, Shake is just standing here, seriously listening. And, and he, he plays into at least the, the idea that, that this is a serious call because he's like, all right, ma'am, I'll need your coordinates or whatever. And anytime, anytime Shake calls Meatwad ma'am, always, always gets to me. And I know it's, it's not the last time, that's for sure. Anyways, Shake is still in the pool, remember, and, and his head is still fuming a green noxious gas. So very quickly after Meatwad prank calls him, Shake gets another call and it's from Frylock. Pranksters, sons of... Drizzle here. Shake? No Shake, this is the Drizzle. <sighs> Come on, Shake. Come on what? This is the Drizzle. What do you need? All right, is Shake around? I mean, you're friends with him, right? Uh, check. Check 10-4. Shake, are you there? Yes, I'm right beside you. Uh, you have a call. Thank you. Uh, hand the phone to me, please. Yes, here you go. Shake. Hello, this is Shake. Shake. Hold on, please. Thank you, Drizzle. This is Shake. Yeah, whatever. The printer called and said that the Drizzle stationery and business cards are ready, but they're concerned with the paper being black and the ink being black. Everything must be black, like the storm of justice. Well, maybe you better talk to them then. So again, we get more of this uh, shake isn't the drizzle thing. And I mean, yeah, it's kind of getting old. And I'll talk more about this towards the end of the episode. But I, I do like how they're handling it. You know, th that classic old, uh, oh, yeah, I'm passing the phone over this stupid stuff. But 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 the joke here really is that Master Shake is bad at this because he clearly, first of all, there, how would anybody not believe that that voice isn't shakes? It's such a distinct voice. But just shake as the drizzle being like shake are you here and then shakes like as himself yes i'm right next to you <laughs> like it's just it's just so completely unbelievable how bad of an actor he is and i love that when he says those lines his eyes change like he's pretending to look in the other direction like he actually is these characters i find it interesting that the print shop calls and they said that the order is ready to pick up but at the same time, they're concerned about the black ink on black background. And what's confusing to me about this is why would they care? The order is done. Like, that's something they should have brought up ahead of time. If Shake said, oh, no, this isn't legible. Yeah, I can't use these. The print shop isn't just going to eat that cost. You know, like Shake would still have to pay for it. So so I don't really understand. But but maybe it does make sense. Maybe I'm just overanalyzing it. Anyways, Frylock, while on the phone, is coming outside to talk to Shake, and Frylock is holding some sort of device. I'm not entirely sure what it is, and it's embarrassing because I feel like I should know what this is. Uh, I assume it's some sort of weather prediction device or something along those lines, but but Shake has drawn an eye on it. It kind of looks like, imagine maybe a, a fishing pole with a giant Pokeball on the end of it, and, and that moves up and down. Uh, again, that's the best I can do. I'm just not sure what this thing is. So if anybody knows, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. But Frylight brings that up because it's, it's blocking the hall. Shake calls it the Eye of Justice. And again, that's because there's an eye drawn on it that Shake has drawn on it. And then they kind of go from there about some some ideas that Frylock has because Frylock already gave Shake some ideas about this whole drizzle thing and he's got some more. And what's surprising to me about all this 
is that Frylock even cares. I, I'm surprised that he's engaging as much about all of this superhero business when they actually are supposed to be detectives with superpowers. The last thing I want to mention before we uh, continue on with this scene with, with Frylock coming up to talk to Shake is that when Frylock comes up, Shake, you know, he looks like normal Shake. He just has that green gas coming off of his head. During this next clip, when, when it goes back to Shake, we see a part of his head is indented. So he's melting, essentially, and that'll play on throughout the episode, kind of keeping up the continuity of the episode because he just starts to melt more and more. But, but this is the first time we're seeing it. It's interesting because, you know, it shows Shake one second, then it cuts back to him again, and that part's missing. It's not like a, a slow, gradual thing, really. It's just in chunks that, that he starts melting. But, but yeah, keep that in mind that this radiation, this nuclear waste is starting to take a toll on his body. And this is blocking up the hallway. The eye of justice. The drizzle is lost without it. Well, he needs <laughs> to turn it off. And by the way, where is he? Because if he is flexible, I mean, I, I have a few ideas oh. that I think he might like. Yeah, here we go. Notes. All right, well, within reason. But I, you got to understand, <laughs> I make the final creative call on this. Okay, come on out. It might be a good idea. That doesn't mean it's a drizzle good idea. Huh? So Frylock is here. He has an idea for Master Shake and the drizzle. And this idea is Mr. Mister which is Meatwad. He is wearing a garbage bag around his neck, kind of like it's supposed to be his cape, but, you know, without a body, it just rests on the ground. He has a garden hose wrapped around his head, and it is plugged in. We see the end of the hose going out of the frame when he rolls up, and there are little holes poked all throughout the garden hose so that little streams of water are, are trickling out of it. And then on the hose wrapped around the top of his head, he has an MR for Mr. And then a small two at the end of that, supposed to be, you know, Mr. Squared because it's Mr. Mr. In case English isn't your first language or you're not getting this for some other reason, it is Mr. as in how you would address a man. And then Mr. as in light rain or a very faint, forceful application of water, I suppose. So a great play on words and honestly, a really good sidekick for the drizzle. I, I think that this is really smart writing. I'm actually impressed by how clever this is. So that's enough explaining about Mr. Mister and the scene to come. But before we jump into it, I just want to say really quick that anytime Meatwad is dressed up at all, I love it. So let's check out Master Shake denying Mr. Mister. Big mistake, buddy. I'm Mr. Mister. Watch your back, crime. When I get pissed. Forget it. See? Oh, He's no. the Drizzle's okay. new sidekick. Nice try, He's the Mist Master. No, that's not <laughs> happening. The Drizzle works alone. He doesn't share the credit with ignoramuses. He's a renegade. Plus, he's not married. Well, couldn't Mr. Mister just hang out no. on the adventures and help no. get things wet? the Drizzle is the wet one. Get your own thing. You can't. Because you're insecure. I told you this was stupid. <laughs> I want to do lightning and thunder. Who don't do that? He doesn't need it. Rain is his thing, man. Sheets and sheets of it. And it drenches criminals when they're outside. Right, so then they go inside and rob banks and kill people. <laughs> So, first of all, I forgot to uh, finish describing Mr. Mister. At the top of his head, he has an empty spray bottle in there. He has the spraying part of the hose in there. And then he also has what looks like a bottle for a cleaning solution stuck in his head as well, which he is spraying a little bit to show his powers. So that's, that's the whole Mr. Mister outfit. And onto the content of the scene, it's just all we've seen all episode is the characters kind of arguing with Shake about how the drizzle is dumb, doesn't really make any sense, his powers are lame, 
Meatwad even said that having the misting powers is lame. He wants lightning and thunder because, I mean, those are actually cool powers, not uh, just rain. And yeah, Meatwad points out that, oh, wow, so you make it rain and then people go inside and still cause crime inside. So what even is this power? Again, that's the whole episode. And I guess things are about to change a little bit going forward. But from a podcasting perspective, this is definitely a difficult one because this episode in my opinion, is the most dialogue-driven episode yet. There aren't a lot of scene changes. There isn't really a whole lot going on. They're really leaning on the skill of the voice actors to bring this one out in their delivery, and, and it's working. I, I'm, not, I'm not really complaining about the execution because the execution is great. This is, a, this is a great episode, I really do believe, but the idea for it just, I feel like, could have been a little better. There maybe could have been a little bit more going on because we're kind of going back to what my issues with Bus of the Undead were, which was Shake just kind of saying the same things over and over again. And that's kind of what's going on here. Now, this episode is pulling it off better than Bus of the Undead did, but this is just a theme throughout the episode. And I apologize uh, now that we're really into it. If this episode of the podcast isn't super exciting because I don't find it interesting just to re-explain jokes over and over again. I I try to do that as little as possible, but that's all this episode really is so far is just jokes. The characters just talking to each other, telling each other jokes. So yeah, I mean, that's the episode. Good episode, but not not all of them are going to be as exciting to talk about necessarily. But the episode isn't over yet. We still have a few more things to go over. So let's keep on with it. Sorry, before before we keep on with it, I know there might be one person out there like, oh, well, what would you have done differently? I, I feel like maybe they could have explored Shake trying to solve a crime or something. They show it a little bit. We get like a news clip later on, but I feel like they maybe could have dedicated a minute to that would have been would have been good and could have cut, cut down on some of the uh, redundant dialogue bits. But again, like the dialogue that we're having it is good. I feel like all the jokes are worth having. It's just the, this whole setup. But OK, I'll stop blabbering about this. Let's keep on with the episode. Meatwad just insulted the Drizzle's powers, and Master Shake is going to show him that that was a mistake. He's going to call on his rain powers, which is also funny in itself because he's clearly admitting that he is the Drizzle, despite saying the entire time that he's not. Oh yeah? Is that what you think? Well, taste the rain of vengeance! Rain power, go! (laughs) Come on! You can expect a forecast of vengeance in the very near future. Shake, are you on fire? What? No, no, this is... Hey, what is this? That is fumes. Fumes? Hey, that's what you ought to be, boy. Call yourself the fumes. <laughs> Let me straighten you out. I'm not doing that, okay? It's ridiculous. So more of Shake's head starts to melt. It actually catches on fire, and the fire we see here is not the usual campfire fire overlay that we would see in all of season one. It's a new particle fire effect. They, uh, again, have a little bit bigger budget this season. You know, despite things not changing a whole lot in this episode, it's pretty static. They're just talking a lot. There are a lot of new assets that we're getting. So again, I always appreciate that. The ones in this episode aren't super interesting, but they're there. For example, Meatwad's costume, the Eye of Justice, all the drizzle posters, all that kind of stuff. Something I should mention is that in Super Birthday Snake, we also had some fire in that scene, which was also not the campfire fire that we are used to seeing. But I didn't mention it there because I feel like that one was more self-explanatory considering the fact that the fire was encompassing the whole house. Basically, it started to grow and move in. They couldn't really pull that off 
with the campfire fire that we are used to, and I wouldn't expect them to have used that there. Here, I would have expected that classic fire asset that they always use, but they didn't. They used a different fire asset, a new one, a fancier one. Before we move on, I want to point out that I like that all this is going on in Carl's pool, but we haven't seen Carl yet, right? Like, what is he doing inside? Doesn't he notice that they're out there having this whole loud conversation? There's all sorts of stuff going on out there. You figure Carl would come out and see what's up, but spoiler alert, Carl is not in this episode, which is also maybe something fun they could have done is have him show up for a minute or something and, and rib on shake at least, you know, just so we get more people ribbing on shake. It's not just the same two, you know, Meatwad Frylock going at it with them. But but regardless, no Carl. He is fine with them out in his pool because he doesn't have to interact with them, I suppose. So moving on, we have Master Shake back in the Aqua Teen's house. He's a bit more melted now. I should point out his straw is kind of back and, and starting to lose its form. But yeah, he's calling the print shop from the living room. And this scene isn't necessary. I don't know. Like it, it's it's a fun dialogue, but at the same time, like like I said, I would have liked to see one of the other suggestions maybe. Because, yeah, just, again, it goes back to nothing really happening in this episode. And despite all this, I, I do really like this episode, okay? So I don't want it to seem, like, super negative because this, this episode really has a soft spot in my heart. Probably because it was the second episode on the DVD, as it's the second episode of the season. So I've seen it countless times. And it's a real extreme example of a slice-of-life episode of Aqua Teen because they're all just at home talking the entire time, really. Nothing really happens beyond that. But that's all right. Not everything needs to be a big romp and adventure. So let's jump back in. We have Master Shake on the phone calling the print shop. Print shop, I'm inquiring about a very large project called the fume. <laughs> Check out the drizzle. Yeah, well, there's been some changes. See, I, I'm sorry to say, but that uh, that storm cloud's got to become a fume now because that's what I do. So do it. Well, uh, it's not my fault. It's already done, sir. That's a different guy, and he's dead now. <laughs> no, no. I didn't sign off on that, okay? Hey, don't make me send the fume down there. <laughs> black on black, you got it. I'm not asking you if people will be able to write on it. I'm telling you I want black on black. Let, am I, what am I speaking? Am I talking Greek to you? <laughs> I want the D to an F. And I want a fume instead of a storm cloud. Is this hard? Okay, I'm going to cut in here. And I guess I didn't give this scene as much credit as it deserves. Although, is it a lot? I don't know. But but basically, this whole conversation that Shake is having is a conduit for Meatwad to come into the room and see that Shake has a giant growth coming off of his side. It's just, it looks like a giant mermaid's tail, I guess is what Meatwad says. It's a good way to describe it. Almost fish aquatic looking feature growing out of Shake's side. And the interesting thing here again is that when we first see this, the, the shot in this scene, Shake doesn't have that. It, it's when Shake is on the phone, apparently this whole entire thing grows out the side of him. Why they didn't just have him with that at the very beginning when they first showed this scene you know time wise that would have made more sense because it's established this is at some point later from the pool so yeah i mean i don't know like like i said when shake's head first started melting some things just happen instantly i guess this toxic waste isn't messing around and then something i neglected to mention from the pool scene that we just came away from is that Meatwad says, oh, you should be called The Fume. And then we have Shake here on the phone saying, yeah, uh, I, I need all this to be under The Fume now. And he kind of, you know, there's some jokes played on that. But it's kind of funny that Shake is actually going with Meatwad's suggestion. You would expect Shake not to do that. Anyways, yeah, like I said, 
Shake has this stuff growing off of him now, and Meatwad is about to reference that. And and Meatwad has been slowly creeping through the scene reacting to this thing while Shake is on the phone. No, I am not the few. You should call to know. I market him. I'm his friend. For the first time. He's not around <laughs> because I'm here. For that time. Do it. That's burning all over the place. What are you? <laughs> I'm conducting business here. So Meatwad's suggestions are the node or the fishtail or that thing that's spurting all over the place. Those are his superhero names. All of them equally valid because there is this disgusting growth coming off of Shake's side. And this kind of plays into something they've been setting up for Meatwad throughout season one and that they will continue to expand on throughout season two is that Meatwad is always kind of subservient to Shake. But whenever Shake has anything physical going on with him, for example, he has this thing growing out of his side here in Dumber Dolls. When Shake loses his eyes, Meatwad mentions it and makes fun of him. And then later on, more things like this will happen. We'll get into it. And it'll happen throughout later in this episode is that Meatwad is never afraid to make fun of Shake for his physical disfigurements or whatever is wrong with him, which I find very, of course, funny, but really interesting. I like that they always come back to that. Whenever there's anything wrong with Shake, Meatwad always points it out. And same thing in the supermodel episode that we will get to soon is that Meatwad really feeds into Shake's body dysmorphia of just being like, oh yeah, you don't look good there. You got to get that fixed up. Like Meatwad is never afraid to speak out about Shake's physical appearance, which is hilarious. It's his own small way of getting back at Shake. Shake might physically abuse Meatwad, but Meatwad will mentally and emotionally abuse Shake. So anyways, back to our scene. Shake is on the phone and he has not seen this growth yet and he isn't really fully aware that he is melting either. So... Yeah, let's listen to this scene play out. Meatwad is creeping in there during the phone call, and he brought up the growth out of Shake's side, and Shake is about to discover it. Oh, and also this big growth is like oozing some green liquids out of it and stuff too, so you'll hear that noise at the very beginning. Is that part of you? Oh God, what is it? It won't move! There's no nerves in there! This just <laughs> came for the drizzle. Where do you want it? Who's the drizzle? Well, we don't know that, do we? But he owes me 40 bucks for the COD. I don't know what to tell you. Last I heard, he was going to conduct business in the middle of the sun. That could be bad. <laughs> so I guess we can just send this box back no, then, No, you know huh? what? I have the key to his fortress of precipitation. I'll drop it <laughs> off. Let's, uh, let's look at it, though. All right, so Frylock coming in with a package that he had to pay the COD on. COD being cash on delivery. I have never run across this in my life. I don't know if this is still really common anymore. But yeah, I guess you could buy stuff and then pay for it when it's delivered. Um, certain specialty items, I could see this being the case, but in general, I, I, I don't really know, for example, from a print shop, why that would be a thing. You would expect them to request the cash up front to, before they start printing anything, not, oh yeah, we'll make all this shit and then you can uh, pay for it later. But, but yeah, Frylight brings in this box for Shake and Shake starts looking through it and it is basically just more drizzle paraphernalia. For example, some drizzle masks, the same kind of cloud thunderbolt mask that we got from the poster at the very beginning. What the hell is this? The cloud was supposed to be at least twice his size. Well, and I thought he didn't do long He doesn't. I told that moron half a dozen times over the phone. What's this, villains? <laughs> this is too busy. This is all too busy. <laughs> By the time you read it, you're dead. Say, uh, <laughs> can I get that $40 now? Cause, I'm you not know... paying for this. Oh, no. Give me that. Where are you going? I'm going to let the fume know that he needs to let the world know that he exists. They start talking about another item in the box, and that is a t-shirt. It is a white t-shirt. It looks like it's a woman's shirt, honestly. 
and the bottom of it is gold, like a metallic gold material. But then there is a design on the chest, which, as Shake says, it's really low res. You can't even tell what it is, really. It's supposed to be different villains and stuff, but we see a, a dark cloud with a D on it and lightning coming out of it. And, and the mask itself has lightning on the sides, and, and Meatwad points out, I thought he didn't do lightning. And Shake's like, oh, he doesn't. I, I talked to them about this or whatever. But we see on all the Drizzle posters, that's the exact mask that the Drizzle is wearing. So, you know, Shake just does not know what this character is supposed to look like. And he changes his fucking mind every 10 seconds that anything that he tells anybody is outdated very quickly afterwards. All of this lights a fire under Shake's ass. He's angry that the merch won't get the word out about the Drizzle. So he has to go and do something to get the drizzle in the news. So in our next clip, we open to Frolic watching TV and we see Shake dressed as the drizzle with a gas can in his hand and the, and the city is just in flames. So he just started a huge fire. That was somehow, you know, his plan, uh, which, which worked. He did get on the news. He did get television promotion uh, in a way, although it didn't quite go to plan. But, but then quickly after that, the door opens and Shake comes in and he is now completely melted. He's, you know, just a puddle at this point. He, he barely has the mask on. And as he comes into the room, the mask just kind of slides off his face and he's wearing a little belt and stuff. But yeah, he's just in total disarray at this point. His whole body is failing him because of the toxic waste exposure. So let's jump into that. And this television announcer, of course, voiced by the one and only Dave Willis. Downtown is in flames tonight as a mysterious <laughs> uh -uh, Shake, you messed up this time. Is that me? Am I on? Damn! What? What's the matter? Never seen a TV star before? <laughs> Have you seen yourself recently? Well, I'm trying to see myself on TV, but you won't move. Did you get taller? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Video enhancement technology shows what appears to be ants running from a charred catfish. I told them that it wouldn't read! That's all the clues we have at this particular time. So they reference Shake's shirt. Dave Willis, the announcer, says what appears to be ants running from a charred catfish, which is hilarious. And then Shake's like, oh, I told them it wouldn't read. Shake only cares about this. He, he does not understand what is going on with this body whatsoever. He doesn't care about it. What's really important for him right now is the fame, which obviously he's getting for the wrong reasons because he set the whole city on fire. And what his plan was here, I don't know. Was he just trying to set a fire to get on TV? I don't think that's it. I, I, I kind of think that he planned to make it rain somehow to set out the fire so that he would save the day. But obviously, he doesn't have the capacity to do that. Also, he is the fume now. So maybe my uh, fan theory doesn't really make sense because why would the fume be able to put out fires? But he is wearing a shirt that has a D on it for Drizzle and he is wearing the Drizzle mask. So who knows? what his plan was. Anyways, while all this is going on, Frylock is kind of poking and prodding at the giant growth coming off of Shake's side, and then we get a big bombshell moment where Shake finally reveals the true identity of the fume, aka the drizzle. Yeah, that's all the clues. Except for the life-size letters spelling out the fume, you idiots! You're dissolving like sugar and coffee. Me watch. <laughs> all right, I have something to confess here. You're the fume? More like the portal now. Listen, we <laughs> must keep my secret identity a secret. And that's what sucks about a secret identity. I will never get the credit that I deserve for the attention-grabbing things that I do. What is that? It's a floor. It's making sound. So you hear some uh, obvious noises 
in their house and the Aquatines themselves are wondering what it is. We see, for example, their broken banister by the kitchen or uh, whatever that uh, connecting ornament is called. It starts shaking around and stuff. There's something going on here, so we're about to get some sort of action. Before that, though, Shake finally tells everyone that he is, in fact, the fume, which is, you know, a pretty funny payoff because he came in dressed as the fume and he straight up dropped that charade a while ago and then, like, decided to pick it back up again. So it is funny in the context of how dumb Shake is, but that's not the final climax here because we heard those noises and it turns out that. While Shake just got melted via the toxic waste, the worms that he threw into the other barrel, well, they had a different fate. Let's uh, let's see what happened with them. Okay, sorry, I got ahead of myself here because I want to point out that Frylock tells Meatwad not to comment on Shake's body appearance, which is the same thing that happened in Dumber Dolls. And just interesting to me that Frylock cares, but, you know, Frylock is just a good guy for the most part. I, I guess that's why it's the right thing to do is to not make fun of somebody for the way that they look, even though, you know, Shake probably deserves it. But okay, back to the worms. They're about to break through the floor because they were in the crawl space, remember? And then the Aqua Teens will deal with it rather quickly. Fume power! Go for it! <laughs> you know, suffocate! Ugh. I got it. <laughs> Shake is just there by himself saying, fume powers, go forth! And he's just, you know, on the ground because he's like a puddle at this point. And nothing happens for quite a little while there. And then Frylock comes up like, I got it. And Miwad's like, no, I got it. Of course, Frylock, the only one with any real powers to deal with this, shoots lasers out of his eyes and blows up the worm. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. And I like that Miwad offered to help. No, I got it. Like, what, what is Miwad going to do to these worms? So, yeah, just funny to see Shake. Of course, he has no real powers, even when he's uh, cosplaying here as the fume. I should mention the worm's appearance real quick. Uh, there's the three of them, and they're just giant. They have big mouths open, and they're just making that screeching noise. And they look like they have little eyes, too. And that's really it. It's a really simplistic design, but it gets the point across. I, I really like it. But okay, back to our scene here. Frylock blew up the worms, and it's revealed that there is all that toxic waste in the crawl space, which is not safe for them. They, they should not be in that house. And Shake continues to degrade. He is, at this point, a brown puddle with no definition of what he used to be whatsoever. So Frylock tells Meatwad that they need to get out of the house. You got it. Okay, you That's get what it. I was you got it. Do. What the hell with those? <laughs> Man, you know, it has been a long day. Is this toxic waste down here? I gotta tell you, I am a white. Man, this whole house is contaminated. Yeah, and would it kill us to get an AC unit in here? I mean, I'm burning up. <laughs> I'll uh, check the thermostat. Come on, Meatwad. Very funny, fellas. Come on, Meatwad. So, so Frylock and Meatwad leave the house. Shake is just a brown puddle, like I said, except he still has that big green thing growing off of him. Just really strange how that's able to stay attached in his current state. And at the very beginning of the clip, because uh, Frylock had just blown up the worms, we got Meatwad saying, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> so so cute of Meatwad to think he has those capabilities. But, but Frylock and Meatwad got out of the house, so let's finish up the end of this episode. Basically, Frylock is going to say, oh, let's go stay at Carl's. And then Meatwad says, hold on. And he shows shake a mirror so shake finally sees himself sees what he looks like just a brown puddle at this point and that is the end of the episode so let's hear it all play out who put it way up on the wall i uh i think we're gonna live with uncle carl for a few weeks also the world well 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 look at what has happened look who's locked out in the drizzle where's your poncho now yeah! <laughs> <laughs> 
For the Pokemon fans here, Shake really reminding me of Ditto, except he is brown instead of pink. So that is superhero. We got the mention of Carl, Uncle Carl, as Frylock is calling him to meet Wad. But yeah, that's superhero. Just a very different episode from anything we've seen. Again, it's so dialogue driven, not a whole lot happens in it. Although Shake does do two pretty bad things. He steals the toxic waste and then he also sets fire to the city. So a real villain in this episode, quite honestly. He is the villain that some other character should be trying to defeat, even though Shake wouldn't put up any sort of a fight if confronted by a real hero. But like I said, my issue with it is Shake did some bad stuff, but we never really saw him do either of those things. We saw the repercussions of them, but we didn't see him doing them, which could have been fun to explore. Similar uh, back to Pokemon to the complaint that I had of the last Pokemon game, Sword and Shield, was that you would constantly be told these big plot points that happened, but you never got to actually see them. It was just other characters telling you about it. So similar here where we don't actually see Shake do these things. We see a little bit of him in the city with, with all the fire, but not a whole lot. He's just kind of standing there. And I really just want to point out here that all of my criticisms really stem from my view as a podcaster talking about the episode so in depth. You know, watching it, I've watched this one for years. This is a pivotal episode that I watched a ton growing up. Never had any issues with it then. I like seeing them all just hang out and kind of do this dumb shit. So, so I don't mind it as the viewer. Um, but yeah, when, when I'm actually sitting here and analyzing it, some ideas pop up. For example, I said maybe they should have had him actually trying to fight crime. That might have been a fun twist. Although, to be honest, I don't know how great that would have worked because that's the whole show in a lot of episodes is them trying to fight crime and failing. So I don't know. I guess that would have fit more, but it, it wouldn't have been this new revolutionary thing. Although trying to watch Shake cosplay as a superhero could have been a fun aspect to it. Uh, similar to the first episode of the show where he actually kind of acts like a superhero to some extent. I want to say real quick that when shows usually do superhero things, I'm, I'm typically not interested. For example, I've been rewatching South Park with my fiance. I mean, I haven't seen every South Park episode, of course, because that show has way more episodes than Aqua Teen. But I remember never really being interested by the Kunin Friends episodes that they've done on South Park, where they're all superheroes. Now, watching it all now for the first time, because before, like, I knew about it, but I would never want to watch it. Now, just because it was the next episode up in the list, I I've watched a few of them at this point, and I, I enjoy them, but like I never want to go back to them. There's just something about superhero stuff that doesn't interest me, but, but in this episode, it's great because it's not really about the superhero stuff. It's about the fact that Shake is just narcissistic, and he's an idiot, and watching him struggle trying to get the superhero idea off the ground is where the real humor lies, and yeah, that just really lends more towards a dialogue-heavy episode. I, I totally get it, and I like that they tried something new, and it really kind of developed the characters a little bit more, solidified the characters a little bit more. So I'm going to give this one, I think, three and a half black text on black background business cards out of five. Uh, not not in a must-see episode, but one that I'll always love. It's good just to watch the Aqua Teens dick around at home, and we'll see way more of that going forward. So before I sign off on this one, like I said, I found some comments that came out the night that this aired and the next night or two after that. So I'll kind of read through some of them. But overall, the sentiment seemed to be what I shared here. A lot of people said that nothing really happened, that it was kind of a slow, boring episode. I was shocked to see the dislike for it, really. But it's, it's interesting, and I appreciate being able to read comments from people who only had seen up to what we've covered on this podcast, you know? These guys had no knowledge of anything to come. Being 2022, we do know what's to come. So it's kind of cool to see how it was perceived at the time. So let me read through 
a few select comments and check the show notes for the link to this entire thread if you'd like to read through this yourself. This forum, by the way, is AnimeSuperhero.com, where user CyberE says, eh, it was okay. It certainly wasn't the best episode, not many funny lines. It delivered more visual comedy than verbal. The whole drizzle fume thing got a little old after a while. The ending was okay. So kind of similar to what I've been saying. Uh, my thoughts on the ending, I thought it was fine. You know, most Aqua Teen endings aren't incredible. And it's, it's funny, you know, hearing Dana Snyder scream like that. So I'm not complaining. The uh, comment above that says, it was an okay episode, dot, dot, dot. It wasn't that good, dot, dot, dot. C plus, sad face. All right. User Prodigy Cube says that episode seemed really short and boring. Meh times 10. User 8O says it wasn't bad, but it wasn't even close to being one of my favorites. It just seemed a bit dull or something. It had some funny parts, but it dragged and there weren't really enough humorous exchanges. I like Steve's response in the opening line and the Fat Albert in a can line, though. See, I disagree with this. I feel like there's a ton of humorous exchanges. That's all the episode really was, in my opinion. And let me end on a positive one here, because there are a lot of negative ones. There are a lot of people just saying like, oh, I liked it or it was fine or whatever. But let me end on a positive one here. I loved this episode. It's probably my third favorite now behind Dumber Dolls and the second Moon Knights episode, just because I'm a fanboy. But it was a good episode. I give it four out of five shakes. And he put little uh, shake emojis. Very cute. Actually, okay, I'll end on this, on this positive comment by Killtacular. Ugh, I don't understand what's up with you people. That was exactly the kind of classic ATHF humor the show is known for. Great ad-libbing from Snyder, lots of funny storyline pieces like Meatwad trying to be a sidekick, the goofy sense of continuity established with the worms becoming giant monsters. It was definitely better than the 2001 season, PDA, Cybernetic Ghost. So Killtacular really liked this one, saying that it's better than the first five episodes of the show, better than PDA, better than Cybernetic Ghost. I really don't agree with that, especially uh, PDA and Cybernetic Ghost. Uh, I, I can see it being better than some 2001 season episodes. By 2001 season, they meant the first five episodes that aired in 2001. But yeah, so, so the results kind of uh, mixed here. But again, just fun to dive into all of these comments. Uh, most of which were post on January 1st, the rest were on the 2nd. And this thread goes on for three pages. I just read some off the first page. So definitely dig into that thread if you want some good discussion on this episode right when it came out. So that's it for me, guys. Wait a second. No, it's not. We have one last little thing to discuss here, and that is the ending theme. In Super Birthday Snake, we had a new ending theme, a one-off. And here's the same thing. We have a little kind of rap about the drizzle and all that stuff about stuff pertaining to the episode. So I will play that after the outro music. Thank you for listening. Again, sorry if this episode wasn't... Um, as interesting as other episodes, just because not a whole lot really happens in this Aqua Teen episode. So not as much for me to really go on in terms of pointing interesting facts out and stuff. But like Kiltacular said, you know, we got some great ad-libbing from Snyder and it's a good episode. It tries to do something new. It's just that that doesn't always make for the best conversation. So thank you so much for listening. As always, feel free to reach out to me via one of the links in the show notes, wherever you like to do so that would be very cool always love hearing from you if you appreciate the show if you like what i do head on over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden for more content where we are starting to dive into the aqua teen hunger force colon movie film for theaters later this month but there's also other adult swim content there that i'm talking about other stuff and it helps me out helps the show out because I'm trying to improve the show and your guys' contribution really helps with that. Otherwise, if you can't afford to do so, just sharing the show, telling people about the show, rating the show, it all helps out and I appreciate all of it. So have a wonderful, fantastic week, you guys. 
Until next time, take it easy, stay safe, and I will see you when we talk about Season 2, Episode 3, Super Bowl. See you later. Sex with animals. There's no time, man.